ultimately you are a business and you're there to achieve common goals and your high performers are most often motivated by high performance around them and by accomplishing great things together. So it keeps the positive energy and momentum going. When you start to let performance fall to the wayside, one, that's when your high performers tend to get the most disengaged, right? And slowly it just leads to more broad disengagement across your team, which is the opposite of what you want if your business is going through a hard time. Hello and welcome back to SaaS Half Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I'm Lindsay Groper, president at Last Media, and always I will be both your host and your bartender today. I had a chance to sit down with Julia Steed, who is the CMO at 15.5. Now, Julia is our third conversation in our HR tech series, and we're talking about something that will be of high interest to you all. It's navigating this shift from the great resignation to a pending recession, and how do you balance high care with high performance amongst your marketing teams at a time like this? So if you'd care to, grab a drink and join me as I speak with Julia from 15.5. Hey, Julia, welcome to SAS Half Full. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. Thrilled to be here. I feel like this conversation is long overdue. We've actually known each other for quite a few years and timing or topics just didn't align, but here we are. Appreciate you joining me. I am having a glass of red wine. I was in Chicago last night and feel like it wasn't that long ago that I stopped drinking red wine. So I'm just going to pick it back up. You ordered a, a, a mocktail kit from us of some sorts. And I'm curious to see what that is. Yeah, it's delicious is what it is. It is a lemon ginger wild wonder antioxidant sparkling drink. So I'm doing something good for my body while we're talking. We are both hitting the antioxidants. This is basically just health hour. This is what we're doing. This is wonderful. Well, Today, Julie and I are talking about something that is going to be highly of interest for you all because it is our third conversation in our HR tech series. And this conversation is specifically around the great resignation shift. What's interesting is when I first contacted Julie and we were talking through topics, which wasn't that long ago, the market was really different still even then. So we are talking through how that has quickly shifted for many. I'm going to use the word power, even though I don't necessarily love the connotation it has, but we're also going to tackle how the power dynamic has shifted from employee to employer. So I'm excited to talk about that today, but I do want to dive into a little bit about you, Julia, so people understand your background, your role, and certainly what 15.5 is all about. So if you wouldn't mind, let's start with what is 15.5 and why does it exist? 15.5 is a holistic performance management platform. So what that means is we offer solutions for HR that span the whole spectrum of challenges and solutions related to performance. So how do you keep employees engaged, employee engagement? How do you measure performance continuously in the flow of work, performance reviews, the the manager-employee interactions, all that kind of good stuff, as well as things like goal setting. And then the last piece of the puzzle that we think is really critical to a really holistic approach to performance management is manager training and effectiveness as well. So we have software and solutions to help HR teams make their managers more effective and drive more change from the bottoms up as well. So that's kind of 15.5 in a nutshell. We sell to HR leaders, but are used broadly at organizations, not just at the HR level, but through management teams and then through individual employees themselves. 
feel like there's six different episodes on each of those individual use cases that we could dive into. And as CMO, what was your journey into B2B SaaS? Was this happenstance? Have you been in the industry a while? What was that journey like? My journey has consistently been in B2B SaaS from the early days of my career, 15 to 20 years ago now. But what has changed with 15.5 is my journey into HR tech. So my background and most of my experience has been in the MarTech world, which I greatly enjoyed, loved it, but got to a point where I just wanted a fresh industry and was really passionate about topics around people, leaderships, being connected and engaged at work and really helping everyone to thrive in the workplace. And so it was a natural extension for me to find a company like 15.5 that through the lens of performance management and engagement really tackles some of those sort of deeper people issues around how do you stay engaged? How do you thrive at work? How do you really unlock the full potential of everyone in their careers? So before we dive or go forward, I want to go backwards a bit. Talk to us about what you are seeing in terms of the the power continuum between employee and employer, let's say six months ago. What did that world look like? It looks nuts, is how I would describe it, right? There was a lot of power in the hands of employees and talent. And that's what we saw play out in the Great Resignation, where people were quitting their jobs in mass numbers because they weren't happy with what they were getting. And what they were getting, it could be a variety of things, right? The the roles weren't interesting. They weren't getting the career growth they, they were looking for. Compensation is, of course, an obvious part of that combined with the inflation that was going on. So the market just heated up really, really quickly. I don't think anyone could have expected just how quickly things did heat up and become competitive in sort of this war for talent. And so it caused businesses to really struggle to retain their top talent keep keep people and then also hire new people at, in ways that that followed their sort of old processes and systems and compensation philosophies right the job market got pretty crazy with high salaries being thrown around hiring managers having to act really quickly to get really competitor offers out the door because the power was really all in the the employee or the the job seeker at least in our industry and in our world and that has started to shift but it created a really competitive market dynamic. And as I said, war for talent. What were some of the positives that you believe came out of that shift? It's a good question, right? We tend to focus on the negative, but I think that there were a few positives. One, it forced a lot of companies to look at what their holistic compensation strategy was. And so by holistic, I mean, not just salaries and and bonus components, but what are the type of benefits they were offering? What was the total value that they were delivering to their employees? And find ways to create more transparency and equitable approaches to managing that because it was being demanded of them through hiring processes, through their employees leaving. So I think that was a real positive. It just cracked open a fairly sensitive or secretive conversation that was long overdue. I think another one was... And this was sort of in tandem just with a lot of the feelings that people have been processing through the pandemic of finding work that you love and following your passions and not just in a starry eyed kind of idealistic way, but making choices. What products do you want to be marketing? What types of company values are important to you? And so positive of just giving everyone a little bit more pause to reflect on what's important to them and making smart choices in the kinds of careers or jobs they were pursuing to better align with what they want to be doing, which I think ultimately then leads to higher overall engagement and satisfaction at work. 
you bring up the term performance management and obviously it's something that 15.5 offers. Do you feel like performance took maybe took a back seat for a while because there was such competition for talent that we wanted to keep our people as much as we possibly could. So performance maybe went to the wayside a little bit because we're just wrapping our arms around everybody. Did you see any of that? Yes. I think it was def. I think the bar was lowered both for performance internally at companies and then also potentially for the talent being hired. And this isn't about saying people who were got worse at their jobs or whatnot, but just less scrutiny and accountability for what's really required in a certain role, or are you really delivering the numbers that are needed? It definitely saw that. And, and it was tricky, I think, to not feel tempted to do that because so much power was in the employee and they could demand things. And there was there was this pull to to meet their demands, even if maybe they weren't worth the, the, the demands that they had, right? Or if they weren't proving the full value that those demands should have commanded. Yeah, I saw it was going around on Instagram, but a quick service restaurant had out on their, you know, their big billboard, now hiring anyone who will show up. So that's the bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like just a warm body that can do something is better than nothing. Yeah. And then you combine that with all this inflation happening in the market, but the salary inflation Things got pretty out of whack, I think, for a little while and are starting now to sort of settle back into a more positive middle ground. So now we will we'll look at where we are. You and I have worked through multiple recessions. I feel like this one came on quick. There were some warning signs and it was just like, bam, here we are. How does this one feel for you? Different than in the past? Definitely would echo what you were saying of wow, things are amazing. There's money being thrown around everywhere. I mean, you think about it too from the fundraising and sort of VC lens as well, right? You think about the valuations that companies were raising money on last fall, last winter, even the beginning of this, well, sort of the first quarter of this year. And then it was like, all of a sudden, someone flipped a switch and everything dried up. Everyone became really scared and panicked about the economy. We started talking about a recession before the recession even happened. It, the recession only officially started, I believe, this month. But Everyone sort of assumed it was a done deal three or four months ago, and the tide turned really quickly. And it's been interesting seeing how companies navigate that and how that's shaken out in the job market, because I haven't seen quite as rapid a shift in the job market as we're reading about in news cycles. We've been reading about layoffs, I think, for a few, at least a few months now, but there are still a lot of open jobs out there across a variety of industries. And the pace of hiring is slowing down, but it hasn't dried up as quickly, I think, maybe as some would have expected. And it's been sad to see, specifically in the SaaS industry as well, how quickly those tides turned from a funding standpoint. You all have some great validation recently in the market. You did close your round. So congratulations on that. It not only shows the, the what we all see is, is fairly obvious growth in the HR tech space, but specifically for 15.5 in this market right now, to get that over the finish line is also big validation for the company itself and the value that it brings to its customers. So uh, awesome work on that. I'm sure sure you're, you're settling a little bit easier this week with a little weight off your shoulder until, of course, the next thing. But um, well done. That must feel good. Thank you. Yeah. Really appreciate it. It's like you said, for us, more than anything, it was validation that there's just been this seismic shift over the past few years and the way we work, why we work, how we work. And HR is really bearing a lot of the brunt of those shifts and, and is under-equipped or historically has been under-equipped to 
just help navigate this, the new future of work and keeping employees engaged and finding that balance between high care and high performance for everyone. So it's, it's a fun journey to be on. And right now the, the opportunity I think is sort of limitless. But what are you seeing now in terms of, and I want to keep this to, I mean, our listeners are B2B SaaS marketers. And we have to say that we are influenced by our little bubble, right? We are influenced by the tech bubble, which is a good bubble. I like our bubble. <laughs> it is good, but it's just one, you know, it's one little slice. And, you know, my husband works in logistics, never moved to Zoom culture, just has consistently been essential and rides a whole different wave. And so when I talk about our industry, he's like, what? Like, we're not seeing that at all. It's the opposite. I'm like, I know, I know. Um, so we have this little tech bubble that we're in and we're influenced by by what we're hearing and what we're seeing, but I, it, we've got to stay in it because that's where our listeners are. What are you seeing in terms of how employers are reacting to layoffs, to potential, like employees maybe working scared, thinking they need to look for other jobs because they're not sure what's going on with their own organization? What should they be leaning into right now? Like what should marketing leaders, employers be leaning into? Is it the engagement side? Is it the performance side? Is it both? Where should they be dedicating their, their time and really focusing? Start at the beginning of what you were saying there, just on what we're seeing happen in the market. And a very positive trend I've seen is more kindness and more transparency that layoffs are happening and that's okay and isn't a stigma or something that people should feel bad about. I'm seeing a lot of positive sharing on LinkedIn when a company does have to unfortunately go through layoffs. The leaders are very supportive in helping find new opportunities for the people they've laid off, which is something that I did not see a few years ago. And I just think speaks to a little bit of this movement of more human empathy and bringing the human side to, to work, which is a positive thing. What I, what do I think marketing leaders should be thinking about as we're sort of navigating this and, and how to help support our employees when they're maybe feeling scared or uncertain? I think transparency and honesty is really the best approach to take. People are scared when they don't know what's going on or they don't know what's going to happen. And when you don't have access to information, you make up stories in your head of what you think is going to happen. And usually those stories are worst case scenario. And so, I think a good rule of thumb for leaders, especially marketing leaders, but, but more broadly in the business as well is be as honest as you can with your employees on, on where things are at. How is your business weathering an economic downturn? How are you being impacted? What are the upsides? What are the downsides? Where should your marketing team be focused to have the biggest impact? What are your levers for success right now? And sharing as many business numbers as possible. So everyone just sort of understands. And if things are bad, it's better that they understand that things are bad than you keep them in the dark. And then they just worry that there's, you know, a chopping block kind of hanging over their head. I think that goes a long way. And then the other piece I would say is continuing to hold a high bar for performance. There's this concept we talk a lot about at 15.5 of balancing high care and high performance, which is being empathetic and listening to all of the troubles that people are going through, because it's not just the economy, but, but any given week, there's some horrible news headline or cultural cycle happening. And everyone's carrying that around invisibly on them when they show up to their Zoom calls or show up to work. So, so acknowledging that and having the right support systems in place, whether it's flexible time off or the therapy benefits or whatever it is. So supporting people as humans, but then holding that high bar and high accountability for performance 
both because your business requires you to, but it's in the best interests of people as well, I think, right? Ultimately, you are a business and you're there to achieve common goals. And your high performers are most often motivated by high performance around them and by accomplishing great things together. So it keeps the positive energy and momentum going. When you start to let performance fall to the wayside, one, that's when your high performers tend to get the most disengaged, right? Because they look around them and they're like, hey, the bar's dropped. I used to be holding the bar with folks and now I feel like I'm the only one kind of still driving or still holding the bar. That's really demotivating for your top performers. And slowly it just leads to more broad disengagement across your team, which is the opposite of what you want if your business is going through a hard time. That's really interesting. And this balancing the high care with high performance, like that's hard. We've seen it play out in our own business. And you have different, when you know, we're talking about maybe it's senior leadership or, you know, middle management, the style is different. And we're, we see different people over index on the high care, right? With not enough consideration for performance. And then also on the flip side where it's performance, 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 but it's like, oh, I would like to, you have even shown this person you care, you like them, like respect them. So we do see on debate, depending on personality styles, that it's tough to get that balance. What are some recommendations that you have to, to help achieve balance, to ensure you have that right mix? So you're not going all in on one versus the other. Before I dive into my direct answer is a lot falls on the manager and whether you're a first time entry level manager or you're an executive, I think the role of management has gotten a lot harder over the past few years because yeah, you have two jobs, right? You got to actually manage whatever your craft is. So be a great marketing leader, but then you have to be a really good people leader as well. And everything you were just asking me about boils down to your skills as a people leader, not your skills as a marketer. My tips are one, put in the work. It's a lot of work. And, but for me, once I made the mindset shift of like, Hey, 50% of my job has nothing to do with marketing. It has to do with people management, getting to know them, building relationships, having hard conversations, having exciting, positive conversations. Just acknowledging that for myself went a long way because it, it made me prioritize the right amount of my time to both pursuits. Whereas previously I might deprioritize the people management side because in my mind, my job is marketing. In my secondary job is that. But taking the time to get to know everyone on your team individually and understand what their pressure points are so that, and understand what they're personally navigating so that you can show that care and, and understand like, okay, their pressure points are their young kids or their pressure points are a difficult relationship that they're in right now, or it's their own health challenges so that you can provide them the whole, like that sort of holistic support they need. Is it that they need flexible time off because of X, Y, Z? Is it that they need different working hours? Is it that they just need like a laugh and a check-in once a week to get their mind off something? Understanding them to give them that high care they need, but then building the trust with them to be able to hold them accountable to high performance as well so that they see you as a human being, not just a manager with a stick that's saying like, Hey, you got to do X, Y, Z, but you've got that trust that you can give them blunt direct feedback and have those hold them accountable to a high bar of performance as well. And then the other piece, and this is a little bit more tactical, but is just defining what successful outcomes look like, setting the monthly goals, the quarterly goals. So it's not subjective on how they're doing and gives them clear visibility on like, Hey, this is the thing you need to be working towards. How's it going? It's not quite meeting the mark or it is hitting the mark, but remove as much subjectivity from performance as you can. Make it as objective as possible. I want to retouch on something that you said a couple minutes ago, which was regarding transparency and honesty. 
Now, I would imagine that by the time this episode airs, that there will be some of our listeners who are thinking to themselves, I know that we have pending layoffs coming because I am part of the senior leadership team or maybe I'm part of the C-suite. I know that this is coming. And what level of transparency and honesty do I provide specifically as a marketer to my team so that this doesn't catch them completely off guard? It's not like we can give a free heads up on this. So in terms of the transparency around the numbers, again, thinking from a marketing leader lens, what are some of those reporting metrics or numbers that you should be showing, telling, being transparent about? That is such a hard question. And it's a hard position to be in. I have been in it before. Thankfully, I'm not in it in my current situation. But I think I would err on full transparency into business numbers, right? So here are our bookings goals for the quarter, both for new customer acquisition and expansion. Are we on track? Are we falling short? Have we had to reforecast what our goals are because we're coming in under and they're getting too far out of reach? So we're recasting our plan, which is usually a sign that things are more dire than than not. How are we coming in towards on our leading indicator metrics for business success, right? How is our pipeline looking? Are our close rates getting worse? Are our deal cycle length? Is it extending out? Looking at those metrics and sharing it and not sort of hiding the results from the team, but not getting them too spun up on what does this mean? Like, you're not going to say, as you mentioned, black and white, like this means that if we don't hit X goal, X number of people will be laid off, but just help them sort of understand, like treat them like a grown up, you know, of like, Hey, this is what it is. Now I can't guarantee what the future is going to be. You see what, and then I'm a big fan of like control the controllables. So you look at, you look at that. And if it's not a rosy picture, then help each individual focus on, well, what piece of the puzzle do you play? What are the goals that you can set to have a positive impact on these numbers? And then let's just focus on you controlling what you can, doing the best work that you can in these areas, work towards your goals and keep that mindset for them. And then if you have to lay them off, it's unfortunate, but you help them find their next position or you've had them focus on the right things. And if they're achieving the right things, but still need to be laid off, well, then you help them find their next role. I don't want to harp on layoffs and make this all like doom and gloomy, but it's a reality right now. And it's a reality for uh, our listeners, some who've already gone through it. I mean, who were, were affected by it or had to execute it, but I promise we will move on from this, but I want to talk about post layoff. Let's say it happens, is happening, has been happening in our space. You're left with people who made the cut, right? And as a marketing leader, have to wrap your arms around these folks what are some things that you would suggest doing that first week, that first month? Because you talk about the controllables. You can't control how people are going to feel and react. Those, those who are, you know, still at the company, but do you still then lean on that, that transparency and that honesty portion of it to re-engage and maybe, you know, calm those fears? Yes. I think you have to just let the feelings flow as much as a leader in the past, I wanted to put on a happy smile and be like, Hey, those things happen, but let's forget about them and just move on. That doesn't work. We're people, we have feelings. And so giving people the time and space to feel the bad feelings, feel the sad feelings or the angry feelings or whatever it is, all those unhappy feelings that we usually try to avoid, let it happen. I've had, unfortunately, but we got through at team meetings where like half the team is openly crying on a zoom and it's really unpleasant. And, but you get through it and it's better to acknowledge it and let those things out, I think, as a group than pretend it didn't happen. 
So that's been my approach. Let the feelings out. And then in my experience, the best way to rally people is around an, a compelling work project. You can do the fun happy hours or quiz nights or whatever. And I recommend doing those as well to build team morale, but bringing people back to the basics. And so for us, our team gets really motivated by quarterly cross-team integrated campaigns, right? So like, what's the big, exciting, splashy thing we're going to do in marketing this quarter? Let's all get behind it. Let's all feel really good about the work and the part we're playing. And let's rally around the impactful and fun work that we're doing. That always seems to gel people together faster than just the like social stuff. Sure. I love that advice. It's a slippery slope of how you handle that based on people's reactions. But I love that idea of jumping back into the work and reminding people of why they're here, why they got into the field, why they loved the company before. It truly needs to be about the work. I mean, we always even say that about, about Blast Media is there's always going to be things that you don't necessarily gel with. Like if you don't love the work, like the work is the work. We're not going to change the work. Like we do what we do really well. So you have to love the work. And if you don't, it's totally cool. Like let's help find you something that you love to do or you love that work. Do you really like that advice of making the, the work, the thing that brings people back together instead of the, the happy hours, which is a bunch of sad people, the happy hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Where, where it feels a little forced and bring it back to the work. So choose you feel accomplished, right? It's like, okay, we are moving forward. We, we've done the thing. We're making forward progress. I really like that advice. You've mentioned setting goals. I think I used the OKR um, framework. Are there any uh, frameworks that you feel work really well when it comes to the performance management side of the house? Um, OKRs seem to be gaining in steam and that seems to be the framework that I hear most often, but what are you finding? So if I put on my good 15.5 hat, I will tout OKRs for sure. They are a very useful tool. We use them. I just think they need to be up for interpretation. And by that, I mean the concept I think is fantastic and highly recommend like literally everybody adopts some sort of OKR version. So OKR stands for objectives and key results. So your objective is like, hey, what's the big thing we're setting out to accomplish? And then the key results are, how are we going to measure the success of that thing? But where it comes up to interpretation, I think is for some, your whole team aligning around a set of OKRs works really well. For others, you want them at the individual level. Do they have to perfectly roll up one into the others? Sometimes you can overcomplicate your goal planning process. And the best rule of thumb is if people are actually using them, it's working. If you make it so complicated that they're not using it, then it's not worth it. I'm a big fan of quarterly goal setting OKRs at the team level, picking two or three big things that are the most important for everyone in marketing to weave into at least 50 to 60% of their work and then letting the different teams come up with the projects that roll into that big cross-functional work and then letting individuals dictate the rest of their work. But you also, I think an important part of OKRs is you need your company's sort of guiding light or guiding roadmap of OKRs as well to help inform your work. So at a company level, be biannually. So every six months establish, Hey, here are the top three to five priorities for our company. And then as I do my marketing planning, I make sure that my, my top level marketing goals roll back into the company ones. And there should be a direct line to explain, Hey, we're doing this integrated campaign because it's going to impact this big company initiative. And then in general, 80% of a person's work should support the big team efforts and company efforts and 20% 
can just be like the day job work that just needs to get done to, to keep things running. So as a CMO, when it comes to saying the OKRs, are you the one that's setting them for the individual divisions under marketing or are you tapping the leaders of demand gen, of brand, of insert, whatever you have, are they responsible for creating their own? Like who, who owns it? It's more the latter. It's a very collaborative process where I spend time with my leaders. So everyone you just mentioned, head of demand gen, head of product marketing, head of corporate and so on. We revisit what are the company level focus areas. We look at just our calendar because marketing is a subject matter, if you will, that does have some calendar-based considerations. Like, are we launching a big product this quarter? Is there one of our big pillar industry events coming up? So we look at those factors. We look at the just the numbers that we want to hit. And so, for example, if it's a quarter where our expansion targets are bigger than our new logo targets, that may shift what where our focus areas lies. But then as a group, we come up with usually a bit of a longer list, like five to eight And then I will go through and make the ultimate call on, hey, these are the team-wide priorities that I think are the the most important and then get everyone's buy-in. And then they run with those and handle their own sort of departmental team planning. We both agreed that this current recession came on very quickly. I'm hoping it gets the hell out of here just as fast. It's been a weird, almost like self-fulfilling prophecy, it feels like. But as you said, we're like talking about it and like, make, I'm like, did we all just make this happen? So who knows where we will be? What I do know is from a, a SaaS industry perspective is that there's a lot of companies that have very positive signals in their business right now. So I didn't mean that's why I said, I'm not going to make this all doom and gloom that everyone's doing layoffs. It's not true. There are still companies who are actively closing out rounds. There are many cash flow positive companies that are business as usual. And there's others who are thriving during a period of recession because what they offer shows tremendous value, if not more value during economic downturns. My advice is always just look at the signals of your own business, what those are telling you instead of everyone else's signals. And then being like, "Ah, I got to apply that same lens here. A lot of you are doing just fine and will do just fine moving forward. But others of you will experience what we've just talked about, which is why I wanted to make sure that we addressed it because it's happening. And certainly if you are in the hunt for a job there, I agree with you, Julia, there are a lot of companies still hiring right now, a lot. So use your networks as much as you can, get that availability up there. Julia, is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to make sure that we tackle? I think we covered a a good spectrum of topics and and went into detail. I, I wanted to echo what you were saying of... Who knows where things will be, but you're either in the camp where you've been laid off and that really sucks and it just, it doesn't feel good, but it happens. It happens to a lot of people. My husband's been laid off before. My best friends have been laid off before. Like most people go through it at some point in their tech career. It's just the nature of of B2B SaaS, right? Things grow, they shrink, they grow, they shrink. And if at all possible, taking the time to really make a smart bet based on your interests and what you're passionate about. It's all the craziness that I was saying about earlier in the year that was creating this, um, this change in the job market and what was a positive from it. Take the time to figure out what is the next best fit for you and find your next sort of forever happy place. Cause when one, it's such a cliche, right? But one door closes, another door opens and so see it as an opportunity. And then for the companies that are either doing very well, great, or that are having to sort of buckle down. There's something to be said for having to do everything with fewer resources and with a sense of urgency. You typically end up with a higher quality output 
And so view it as you're putting in the hard work and usually it's, it's worth it and you learn something along the way. So better products emerge, I think, when you have to work a little harder and you're a little hungrier for it than when you have an embarrassment of resources and riches and you don't have that pressure. Absolutely. I completely agree. Well, as we end every episode, I always ask our guests if they have a signature or favorite toast to send us out. So I will ask that question to you. Oh, that is such a great question. I like saying Lachaim. Um, it's a classic toast. Cheers in Hebrew, Lachaim. So to life. To life, Lachaim. Thanks so much, Julia. Thank you, Lindsay. Thanks again to Julia for joining me on SAS Half Full. Always lovely to connect and speak with her. Hopefully you took a few things away on how to manage high performance with high care. And you can take that back to help with your teams. Always appreciate you listening. Hopefully you're enjoying this HR tech series. This wraps up that series and we will be moving on to our regular format with SAS Half Full moving forward. Thanks so much. Always appreciate it. Bottoms up.